You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Hey everyone, welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I'm Allie, your host, and this is Kelly and Daniel with me today. Hey guys. Hello, Allie. Hello. Uprising is the podcast for all the youth workers and volunteers out there. Whether your program is flourishing or just getting started, we are here to give you support and ideas for you and your ministry with a car ride's worth of content. As a quick refresher, in these last couple of episodes, we've been diving into the Lead Small Principle. Leading small happens in a small group format, and the benefit of small groups is the simple fact that you or the few people you have on your student ministry team don't really have the capacity to truly and deeply know every child in your program. But a leader, a small group leader, can get to know a small group of 8 to 12 teens. Within small group, they get to see an adult as a model of someone living out their faith too, someone who really cares about them but isn't just their parents. And it's through those authentic relationships that we really have seen faith grow in our students. The five lead small principles are to be present, to create a safe place, to take care of your personal faith and health, to partner with parents, and to mobilize teens in ministry. If you missed our first two podcasts, I encourage you to go back and listen now. Today we're going to be talking about the second lead small principle, to create a safe space. I'm, And we're going to kick it off and get started right now with what are you guys loving oh i am loving the white noise that i've been listening to on Mm. amazon prime music when i'm working the office is really noisy and so i'm choosing ocean sounds and i just feel like i'm at the beach while i'm sitting at my desk I think I want that. You do. You, I feel like I would fall asleep because no, I have white noise at night. It just, it's the ocean and I don't mm-hmm. hear all the conversations happening around me and I'm just working. That's what I love right now. Mm-hmm. I have been cooking these homemade potato chips. I got a mandolin and you cook them in the microwave, which is kind of weird, but they end up really They're crunchy. really good. Yeah, yeah, we got to try them. They are delicious. Yeah. I'm and loving those right now. Too. I know. Yeah. I'm loving Can you make more? I'm loving them. <laughs> they do. They're a little labor intensive and you can cut your finger off if you're not careful with the oh. mandolin, but <laughs> okay. I haven't done that yet. So I still love Don't them. Don't you have to make like 10 chips at a time or something ridiculous? You do. You do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's I am loving my herbs right now. I had a little flower, what's it called, flower box? Yeah, mm-hmm. outside my window, and I planted some herbs. I've planted cilantro and basil and parsley, and I've made some homemade salsa with my cilantro and some awesome. chicken with my basil, and it's just so fun, and I love it. I love growing those, seeing them grow. Fresh herbs. So today we're talking about creating a safe space. And as we always say, that begins with respect and trust. And many teens don't have a place to be themselves, really. They're not where they're not worried about the other people around them, their friends, how they look walking through school, what their parents are thinking or saying, are they mad at them or whatever else going on in their life. And a place to explore big questions, to pursue faith, to be truly known and loved and Yeah, there's not many places where they feel like that. No, not at all, not at all. So we're trying to create that here. So what does it take to create a safe space, a place like that within your program? Well, it's definitely 
progressive. It doesn't um, just happen right away. Um, a student, but the first thing I would say is that a teenager doesn't trust you until they know you a little bit. So you can't just walk in the first day and be giving advice or lecturing them or, you know, you, you have to know them first. And they won't feel like you know them until you actually know them. So you need to know some things about them. You need to probably spend the first month just listening and getting to know them remember things that they tell you follow up on things that they've talked about the week before you know how did that test go and so um that's the way that you just begin to build trust it's it's not difficult i, I mean it's difficult but it's simple it's a simple mm -hmm. way that um that you can build trust and respect and so they have to have um also they have to have a reason to respect you another thing that makes it a safe place is that there's respect in the room that the teenagers respect each other that they respect the leader and that you respect them i mean they don't teens don't get a lot of respect mm -hmm. from adults they're spoken at and they're yelled at um at school or at home and so um, we need to respect them as well if we want to get it back. And the way that we can do that is to set some boundaries, believe it or not. Um, Ooh, boundaries. It, it doesn't sound great to be setting boundaries, but um, that's one of the ways that we can begin to create this safe place, a place where they feel they can trust. And I feel like boundaries is just so tough, even for us, like the personal boundaries you try to set for yourself, boundaries between work and your home life, boundaries anywhere yeah. with anything. And especially as teens, I mean, their life is just so overflown with so much and having boundaries, it's something we talk about in our program for them, setting them for themselves. But it is so important, especially within this small group place. And how do we set those? How do you get the leader to set those? We have five P's. I'll start with the letter P that we like to give to our leaders. And our idea with boundaries is really that they, you know, teens are pushing the boundaries to see um, kind of what the limit is. And mm -hmm. so they will push you in a lot of ways, but hopefully that these five things help um, to lead them well. So the first one is to be prepared that a leader should come having looked at the questions and knowing in their head, at least a little bit where they think the conversation is going to go, it may go somewhere else, but the preparation helps even with that. And so having a general idea where the discussion will go. So number one is to be prepared. Number two is for uh, what's shared to be private. So what's said here stays here. It shouldn't go outside of the group. And we have had issues with that in the past. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I, I had in my small group, I've been with my girls since sixth grade. They're going into 11th grade. And we had like a couple of months this past year where I was just hearing that things were being talked about at school. And so we had to have a little little come to Jesus moment one <laughs> night where I just we just did a couple of trust activities. And um, but yeah, it's it's a problem. I mean, they're talking about big things and we want them to be able to talk about big, important things. And so they have to be able to trust each other that it's going to stay private. So that's mm -hmm. a, that's an expectation you have to set. So building that trust up so that you can keep everything private with one another. The third one is to be positive that we're lifting one another up through encouragement and never putting down. This was an issue with my small group a lot this year. Um, the boys, one of their, mm. they think it's a love language. It's not, but to tease each other and <laughs> mm -hmm. to just be so bitingly sarcastic all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so having to try to coach them out of that, you know, that's not it what we do. Sounds like in my here. house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a point for that. It can be fun. It can be good natured, but it can also quickly turn. Yeah. Um, into very kind of hostile interactions. Mm -hmm. So be prepared 
be private, be positive, to be personal is the next one. So this means we're asking you to share about your life as you feel comfortable. Um, and that means that you're listening to others as they share about themselves as well. And to just be open to the ways that this group is going to move and support and challenge one another. Um, so that's the personal side of it. That one we have to be a little careful on. We'll have maybe some leaders can be oversharers. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So that takes a little bit of coaching about what's appropriate to share and what's not. Yeah, there's definitely got to be a balance. Yeah. Yeah, and some leaders really think that they're sharing personal things, and they are, but it's too personal. And right. And it's too much about yeah. the leader a lot of the time. You have yeah. to pick and choose your times to share and share the right things. And then the last um, of the five Ps is prayer. So we commit to praying with and for each other. So that means at the end of our group or sometime during the time together, we pray together and then we're praying for each other outside of that time each week. Maybe that means having a prayer partner or um, you can do it a lot of different ways. So five again are be prepared, be private, be positive, be personal and commit to prayer. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing about boundaries is just setting them early, right off the bat. You set them early and you're going to have to reiterate them early yeah. and often those boundaries come into play. So it's from that first night of meeting. We know you want to get to know your students if you're brand new to our ministry, but you also have to set those boundaries from day yeah. one because they're going to challenge you. They're well, teams. We have a lot of leaders that feel like, well, this isn't school. I, I'm not going to, I can't yell at them. I can't, we don't want to have rules. No, you have to have some boundaries. You mm -hmm. have to, or else you're going to be miserable in about a month or two. Yeah. And you know, even with the boundaries, tension is going to arise, right? Um, like Daniel said, they're constantly pushing the boundaries. Tension arises. You're going to have your leaders, your small group leaders are going to have moments where they're going to have to manage the tension or manage behavior. Not anyone's favorite thing to do. I don't like doing it. I don't think any of us like doing it. No one likes doing it. I mean, maybe if you're a teacher, you might enjoy it. I don't know. None of us like doing that. Daniel's shaking his head. No, no one, but tension can really be a good thing. You have to look at it this way because when you're given the opportunity to manage the tension, then you can show your, it can be a really powerful moment. You can show your students, the teens in your group, how you're going to deal with it. And it can give them a sense of safety. If you're going to shut down gossip, if you're going to shut down the biting sarcasm, you gain some respect, you gain some trust. And so when there's tension, it really can be an opportunity um, to, to model trust and respect in the group. And so um, look at those opportunities as a positive thing. <laughs> We're all going to try that this year. We definitely get some tension in groups. And then there's also the other side of it that sometimes we get a little bit of disruption. Yeah. Yeah. That's not just tension. Disruption. Yeah, no. Sixth grade boys, anyone? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do I hear sixth grade boys? Their powers of concentration are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> there's that biting sarcasm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So we, we do have some tips that we like to give about handling disruption in the group. Um, one is, uh, you know, the conversation can go in a lot of different directions. I love how Kelly handles this with um, some of her girls that if they bring something up that they want to, oh, Miss Kelly, I have a story. Mm -hmm. And they, <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly will say, now, does this story, is this going to lead us down a rabbit hole or right. is this Is this story about story? you and, and something that affects you or is it about your uncle's dog who <laughs> broke its leg. Cause I would love to hear that, but how about we do that later? Yeah. So, um, you, you both want to shut down kind of the absolute, you know, 
non sequiturs, anything that doesn't have anything to do with what you're talking about. Um, but do it gently, mm-hmm. let them down easy. Um, but you also want to shut down gossip and it can quickly turn into that, especially if you have teens that go to the same school or run in the right. same mm-hmm. social groups. So we like to say that we have a strict no name policy. If you're talking about somebody and you're really frustrated with them or it's a well, situation I mean, that's what that they're going to talk about relationships, right? right? Yeah. Especially so, the girls. It's a huge part of their life right yeah. now. So they need to talk about it, but yeah. so rather than, you know, bagging on your friend, Allie's been this and she's been that and right. da, 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 da. and then they walk out of the room and she's in the next room over and they go over and say something to Allie. So you, you could talk about it, but maybe just don't say her name. Um, and so we, we like to have that no name policy when you're talking about things. Um, on the flip side of that, if they're misbehaving, you use their name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like don't like a general, I'd learned this when I was a teacher, a general, like, okay, guys, let's quiet down. Does not work. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks you're talking to them. But if you say, Hey, Daniel, can you please stop talking? Everybody in the room stops talking. Cause they do not want to be singled Called out. out. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So you're not trying to embarrass anyone, but sometimes it's just necessary to call someone out for their behavior. It is. And the next thing on our list is when you are calling somebody out, there's a point for calling them out in the way that Kelly just said, but there's also a point where you need to privately address it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's taking them out of the room. We have some people that are kind of in the hallway and sometimes we, especially with our middle schoolers, we'll just send them out um, and say, hey, can you take a break and go find... Um, you know, whoever's in the hallway that week, yeah. Miss Tina. And she'll Ms. take Marianne. a little walk with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And you do not want to take a walk with an adult by yourself. It no. kind of stinks. No. And we're very nice. It's yeah. not like we go out and slap them around in the hallway or anything, but right. you still don't want to do that as yeah, a Yeah, they lost the privilege to be in, in the room group. and they don't yeah. like that. But even with the high schoolers, we do that sometimes. I had one of our leaders bring me one of his guys this year and he said, hey, John's going to be in your group this week. He was a little bit too disruptive for ours and I'd like you to take him. And I said... Okay. Okay. And he was an angel in my group. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, another way to re-engage teens that are talking on the side or causing disruptions is to get them involved, have them read the questions, um, have a talking stick that you can pass around and only the person that has that object is able to talk. We also think it's helpful to have something in the hands of especially boys, but some girls too. Some girls So we have thinking Mm -hmm. buddy that they can just manipulate with their hands Mm -hmm. or um, spinners or different things. Fidget gadgets. Yeah, Yeah, all those. Um, It's a good practice to just begin and end with prayer. Sometimes when we've had, you know, a fun message or I remember we had one where um, Tom broke a mirror. Yeah. One time, and the energy after you leave the room for something like that is just, oh my gosh, da, 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 and everybody's just thinking a million miles an hour. So just to take a moment and, yeah, prayer, breathe and pray brings mm-hmm. it all back. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we sometimes if I really have to get a group's attention, I'll just stand up on the stage and start saying the Hail Mary <laughs> until everybody joins in. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a good move. I love it. Um, sitting in a circle. Kelly, do you want to tell us why it's important to sit yeah, in a circle? Yeah, this one's so important and people don't think it is. We tell our leaders like a hundred thousand times a year, just sit in a circle. It makes a huge difference. And I'm telling you, if you've never led a small group, 
they don't sit in a circle. You go into a square room and they will sit everywhere but the circle. They sit in the windowsill. We have stage pieces in each of our room. They crawl under the stage pieces. I mean, they just go everywhere. And so if you sit in a circle, it solves like half of your disruption mm-hmm. problems, literally half of them or more, maybe all of them sit in a circle and you're gonna have to ask them every single week. Hey, we're going to sit in a circle again this week. Remember that from last week, we're going to sit in a circle again and you'll still have two kids that won't. And that's when you say their name. Hey, Daniel, can you come over to the circle? Um, and so I just, I just can't stress this one enough. I, my girls, again, they're juniors this fall. I can't believe that they're going to be juniors. Um, when they were in sixth grade, I was in a room that was for little kids and there were these little Ikea tables in the room. There was like six of them and we would go in the room and every single week the girls would get under the tables on their stomachs and like, and then they would lift up the table on their back and pretend to be turtles every week. (laughs) girls sixth grade girls and they'd be crawling around being turtles and we're trying to have small group and so every single week we had to say okay we're not going to be turtles let's sit in a circle every single week so you have to be willing to set that expectation every week because you say it the first night it is not going to hold so you have to be willing to say it and sit in a circle is something that you just need to be willing to say every single week yeah they're going to keep coming back and trying to be turtles they love to be turtles stick to your guns every week not anymore now they're like lounging in the room and just want to talk it's great but yeah the challenge changes over time yeah Yeah. my ninth grade boys we had a thing of puppets in the room this year (laughs) i swear every week they got these stupid puppets out put the put the puppets away (laughs) i think i almost swore on i think you almost did too oh that's great all right so just the last couple of things here if you need to redirect um sometimes it just is um you know calling out one person in the group and saying hey, let's talk about this. Or, you know, if it's a couple of people that are talking on the side constantly, address them and have them answer the question um, or just redirect the conversation in another way so it re-engages their attention. Um, But shutting down those side conversations um, is very important. And then the last thing that we say for handling disruption is we have coaches and we've kind of built up to this over time. Maybe that's the the youth minister, the paid professional who's not leading a small group, um, but they can go around and help a little bit. And if, if you have questions, I'm so frustrated with this. I don't know how this works. I don't know how to get their intention. Talk through it with somebody. And it can even be another small group leader. Maybe it's just somebody that's experienced Mm -hmm. and can speak a little bit of wisdom into your situation. Yeah. So creating some boundaries and handling tension and disruption within your small group, all those things are how you create a safe space for your small group and for those teens. So what does a win look like? Have you guys seen a win in action when leaders really live this out and create that safe space? Well, we have a small group leader named David and he's, he had sixth grade boys this year. He just started. This is his first time leading a small group and sixth grade boys, you know, starting from the beginning, it's tough having them in a room for that long. Um, And so what he does, he's uh, from the military. He's got a military background. And as his boys walk in the room every week, he goes and he stands at the door and he has every one of them shake hands and look him in the eye. And it just sets the tone before they Mm -hmm. even walk in the room. Like there's going to be some order in this room. Respect. We are going to have respect and we're going to have a discussion. And I'll tell you, I've led his group before and it's not an easy group. 
he was gone one week and his co-leader was gone and they were climbing all around, but they do have tremendous respect for him and um, just little things like that and consistency week to week to week. That's awesome. so awesome. Love David. I love watching that each week too. Just know, seeing that so line great. of boys go into the room. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you all for joining us today on Uprising. We love you. Keep doing the good work for the next generation and join us next time as we talk about what we think is one of the most crucial parts to having a healthy small group culture, which is asking good questions. See you next time.